Hey everybody, this is Cam Garrity. Welcome back to This Should Have Been a Phone Call. Today on the show, we have one of my very good friends and a tremendous podcaster, DJ Bob Runkle. For 11 years, he has been the host of the DJ Bob Show, which you can hear wherever you get your podcasts. He's had some really big guests on in that time, uh, from one of the co-creators of How I Met Your Mother uh, to Josh De La Cruz, who has starred uh, in Broadway's Aladdin and is presently the human lead on Nick Jr.'s Blues Clues and You. Bob is a tremendous font of knowledge when it comes to pop culture, past and present. It's been a huge focus of his show. Uh, but he also uses his show as a platform to advocate for disability representation in pop culture, and in our media. I've been lucky enough to be a guest on his show uh, on two different occasions, so I was really excited to turn the tables and talk to Bob about his life, not only as a podcaster and a pop culture enthusiast, but also go deep into his life with cerebral palsy and how that shapes his worldview as well. This should have been a phone call with my podcast hero, Bob Runkle. here Bob. Me too. <laughs> um, you know, for for anybody who who doesn't know you uh or doesn't know the DJ Bob show, I'd love I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Uh and if I if I know you, you're sitting on a bunch of episodes right now. Um yeah. what what are some of the ones you're most excited for for people to hear? Yeah, I've got a bunch of great content coming out, and one that you can look out for are the the creators of Recess, and uh, what's cool about them is that they helped uh, pioneer Rugrack, and they worked at Classy Shubo for years before they moved on to Disney, so that's a two-hour conversation raw that will that will without a doubt need to be whittled down <laughs> your poor your poor editor nate beagle <laughs> but at least i warn him at least, at least <laughs> i tell him like hey you're gonna be a long one <laughs> that's true that's true and uh i suppose for for listeners we'll sh- we'll shatter the illusion early uh bob and i are talking right now it's august 29th when we're when we're doing this so by the time they're hearing this sometime in January, um, I suppose most of these episodes will actually yeah, be out. Yeah, most of them. Yeah. Even, although, you know, I you know, I shit on them for like a while, but I'm really trying to get these out because you've heard some of who the some of who we've had on and they're they're meaningful, they're just good conversation that I want to get out into the world. So the quicker, the better. For sure. And um, something I really admire, and I don't know how much of it is intentional or somewhat dumb luck maybe, but the timeliness of your guest bookings re- recently has been pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> I, I, I just mean, think about like... I always try to do that. Yeah. I mean, and then sometimes you just like you know, you'll luck out too, right? I mean, it's it's kind of a, a, a lovely 50-50. With the whole thing, I guess I'll 
go in a little bit behind the scenes. I don't know if that's... Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. So, for recess, that was a fluke thing, because I, I hired a fan of the show who had been listening to me for years to help me coordinate, you know, emails and... Cause Fun fact, I only type with one finger. I don't know if you knew that. But, you know, that's a lot of emails. And that's a lot of stuff to do. So, you know, I brought somebody in. And he, I said, you're an animation enthusiast. Who do you know? He said, well, I can get you Paul Germain, the, one of the people behind Rugrat and Recess. And I'm like... Yeah, okay, that'd be great. So then we yeah, go do that. A, <laughs> so then we hop on a Zoom call with Paul, and he goes, well, if you're going to do something about recess, you have to get Joe, too, because it's Paul and Joe Productions. He produced it. And within, I would say, 15 minutes, we nailed them down for a time together, and that we thought so fun. Oh, absolutely. And I, I realized I was just making light of, um, you know, or leaning in on how much there there's a bit of dumb luck. But I mean, you, you really know your stuff in terms of what anniversaries are coming up. And I, I know you play that long game of, you know, oh, th- Rugrats is about to turn 30. Let me try to and, and the reboots coming out. So let me try to reach out to Nickelodeon and, and make it happen. So I, I didn't want to you know, make it seem like it's it was all dumb luck. But sometimes it is dumb luck because I didn't know that Recess was celebrating an anniversary until after I booked it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, okay then. Right. <laughs> because also if you always do it on the anniversary of something, that's predictable. Well, then, and then you're also overlapping because there's so many podcasts out there that, you know, you don't want to do it at a time where, you know, everybody has the, the same three or four guests on too. I, I, I love when sometimes I'll, I'll pull up my podcast feed and the same guest is on like three or four different podcasts that I listen to. And I'm like, could you guys coordinate this like 10% better? So that's something I wanted to bring up too, like... I'm smart about that. Like, let's say, let's say I hear a guest on a podcast. I book them, or I try to book them right after I hear them, but the episode won't come out until two months later, where it's not in the in the person's brain. You know, right. like they're not thinking about a podcast they heard two months ago. Maybe I am, but like, I try to keep it respectful like even with your with your other podcast that you do puppeteers it's like i always call you and i'm like um <laughs> can i do that like there, there not much i, more I love that episode with jim krupa can you can you <laughs> can i do him next <laughs> like but if anything it really it really it shows you how much I enjoy the guests that I want to have them on. Yes. It's not like a... It's never like, 
oh, I'm going to be Cam and Adam today or, you know. No, 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 of course. Well, and the other thing, too, which is something that I I so admire about the DJ Bob show is that you pull out information from the guests that, like, it's the only, only you would ask those things. And in some ways, only you would want to know about them. But it, hearing them and hearing you talk about it is so great. I think about your, your Stephanie DeBruzzo episodes that you did uh, at the beginning of this year. I just love because, you know, for people who don't know, Stephanie is an amazing puppeteer and actress, um, you know, is known for Avenue Q and Sesame Street and and all these things. And you talked very little about puppetry with her. I mean, you guys were just, you're talking about Schoolhouse Rock and her favorite songs and all those things. And I just, I love that about your show Um, because you really, you're not only getting guests who are celebrated members of, of, of nostalgia and pop culture history, but you're getting them to talk about the pop culture that they love too, which I think is really cool. And I, like, that was something in her bio that she just sort of glanced over, like in any interview. Like no mm-hmm. one talks about it. So I'm like, well, I'm the guy that has the Schoolhouse Rock music box set in the in the loosely binder packaging. Like, they did this big thing for the 30th anniversary. And I was like, a big fan. Like, if you go back in my other archives, I talked to the creator of those shorts. So, that was such a big part of my life. And I couldn't not talk about it once I found out that she was a fan of it, too. Yeah, when you when you find those things... When you lock in with people, like you, you can't not talk about those, talk about those things, um, which is actually, <laughs> this is, uh, this is part of my, how have you been round that I, uh, it's a good preamble to the weird question round. Um, but, uh, I wanted to ask you, Bob, spot or blue? Oh my God, really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I gotta be honest. I know they both they they both hold a, a great place in in both of our hearts. Spot Spot the dog, or or Blue from Blue's Clues. Okay, well, Blue lasted longer. Blue had a longer shelf life, you know, like a longer like a longer uh, time in my life. Okay, as opposed to Spot having like three or four videos or whatever right. it was. And, but I gotta say blue, because it's important to the show, whether I want it to be or not, you know? Right. Important to the DJ Bob show, you're saying? Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. And I think too, I mean, you're, cause you're my sister's age. She was like perfect in the bullseye of the Blue's Clues generation. So, I mean, that's, that just viscerally must be like a, a connected part to your to your childhood. Yeah. I mean, I can I it's funny because now one of the interviews that I'm really proudest of is my Josh Dela Cruz interview with the new host of 
the new show because we got stuff out of him that he wasn't being axed. No, I I love that. I love that interview. He's wonderful, and I think it's it, it it's another shining example of how the DJ Bob show can really pull you know excellent stuff from from the, your guests because of how much you respect them and the, and their work. Cause I hate interviews where it's like you can almost see the next question from a mile away. The next kind of part of this is is just some some weird questions to, you know, hopefully prompt some quirky, maybe insightful responses. A little bit of a, a slow round to get you marinating. Have you met me? <laughs> All right, let's dive into it. Uh, what what fictional character do you most empathize with? Now that's a hard. That's a hard concept to even think about. But the one person I was thinking about, and this probably won't be a shock to you, but Arthur. Why Why is that? All he wants to do is just have a group of friends. And, you know, there's always some hijinks. His... His pesky little sister bugging his ass every damn episode. Like, and you just feel for him. Like, but, and then you root for him when he succeeds. And when he tells, like, he's the, he basically, it's basically like a Clarissa explains in all situations in animation. He's just telling you his story. And... From that cold open on, you feel for him. I love that. And even in the book, too. You know, I don't know that I've ever read an Arthur book. I I used to watch the show as a kid, but and I remember, remember you know, seeing him at the library and stuff. But I, I don't know. I I guess there was just other, other things that captured my imagination. I I never really got super into the Arthur books. They were they were interesting because if you look at the early books, like, cause the book started I think in the mid seventies, and the the anime or the illustration in that was like so different from what we know now. I was gonna say that yeah, I don't know if you'd seen that. That's some, that's such a drastic change. Yeah, he looked much more like an artwork. I always and I'm sure you'll you'll appreciate this too. I. I love like OG versions of classic characters. Like to me, the 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 Barney when they were still like producing that show in Sandy Duncan's garage in Texas. <laughs> like I love that darker version of him so much better than you know what people what, know. What we know, him yeah. As. yeah, yeah. And like same with like I love that version of Arthur. You know, I'm I'm looking at a a picture of an uh an original orange oscar here in my in my office and um yeah there's there's something about like the first versions of things that i i I find really endearing so you're given the magic mirror from beauty and the beast uh a window to literally anything in the world what do you what do you ask it to show you (laughs) 
I wanted, I, I asked it to show me, hey, will I ever get paid finally for doing this stuff? <laughs> okay, that's that's a that's a decent answer. I should have I should have clarified. So it's just a window to the 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 present day world. So it it literally just shows you anything that's happening right now. What do you what do you ask that to show you? Isaac wanted to show me how happy I am doing this despite my limitations. So you just want to show it. You just want a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Like even if like you know I've been going through hell and back recently, and it's like uh, this show and doing the interviews back to back to like I'm not doing them like crazy, but just keeping myself busy is helping me cope with things throughout my life right now one other weird question and whether or not we keep it in here or not we'll we'll see and you you already told me that this could be a whole a whole episode into itself but what's the technology you had growing up as a as a kid that you either missed the most or you're you're most nostalgic for now i don't know if this is a technology per se but to a degree it still exists depending on who you ask I miss the concept of a CD single like collecting those were everything to me like one they were really cheap and for some reason my mom wouldn't let me buy full albums yet so like So, um, just going into, like, Sam Goody or, um, FYE or one of those places, I just love the idea of that. An honorable mention that, can I do a couple? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, (laughs) um, let's see. An honorable mention would be a video, the Video Now console. Video now was that like a hit clip, kind of? It was like, it was like a, it was like a DVD player, but they had their own sort of like. They used to call it a PVD, like a personal video disc. Okay. And like they would have all these Nickelodeon shows on there, and like the Amazing Race, and. Got it. Okay. Hold on, let me what look is that, this up. What, and they also, what is that show? Um, they had Fear Factor one. Like, it was so weird. A video but now? Then, yeah. You said video. Oh, I remember these. Oh, okay, I'm looking at them right now. And the cool thing is, after a while, they came up, they came, they came out with an extension that you could put in your CD drive and you could make your own video now dish for your viewing it'd be cool they had so many weird things that they marketed towards cake like another thing was the hit clip like who thought <laughs> that that 20 seconds of an in sing song on a little... it's, it's just the itunes like when you go into itunes and you just listen to the 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 preview the, those yeah. are longer those are longer than a hit clip <laughs> And and one other one, okay. I know you yeah. and I both you and I both had it. 
Oh no. The radio D the radio DJ transmitter oh, from Wild yes. Planet. Yes. Was that what got you into just like being a a DJ? Um yes. And that has a funny side that has a funny full circle story that I don't even know if I told you. Okay. Well, hold, just just for anyone who doesn't know the 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 DJ now uh, piece. Um, it was a it was a toy from a company that made like night vision goggles and um, and like a, a a thing that you could hear conversations from. Yeah, you know, Wild Planet. I think the company. Wild Planet. That's right. That's right. And they had a thing where basically you could broadcast. You know, within. It was not far, like fifty feet of a of a radio, an AM but radio. But to a kid who wanted to be a DJ, that was everything. Big time, and there was a cassette player in it, so you could like play your own music, and it was anything with a microphone back then. I really wish it had a CD player in it, but yeah, but course. I mean, like that's how old that thing was that it didn't. But even then, cassettes were sort of outdated. Yeah. But but I yeah. digress. Um. So what's your what's your story with it? So the story, this will blow your mind. So okay. the story is, the first time I saw that toy, I was watching Double Dare 2000 on Nickelodeon, and the commercial came on. And when you're a kid, you call your mother, Mom, 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 I want this for Christmas. Because I've been collecting CDs and... Um, air quote DJing family party for a year like I was like like two years at the point I was like I started DJing parties at like four <laughs> I don't know whether that would be good or not but and <laughs> people so, humored you <laughs> so I saw the commercial and um I get it that Christmas and you know I'm playing with it playing with it playing with it and then, like, decades go by, and I become friends with Chris Phillips. And if you don't know who Chris Phillips is, he's the voice of Face from Nick Jr., he'd be on PB&J Otter, you know, all these shows. Turns out, he was the ad voice in that radio DJ spot. <laughs> Of course he was. And I was like, and then years later, he ends up recording promos because he was our promo voice for years. Wow. For the DJ Bob show. And I'm like, what is my life right now? Like, it's your fault that I'm doing this, you know? God, that really is full circle. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, of course... Later, DJ Rick Adams had, and BB Good had a bigger impact on me. But sure, anybody to plant the seed, I'm thankful for. Getting into how are you really, <laughs> which is maybe the scary section of the show. But oh um, boy, 
No, this, you know, uh, people who don't know, you know, you and I, we talk really regularly, like at least once or twice a week and, you know, just catch up. As you always say, podcasters need to need to stick together and we're always bouncing ideas off of each other for. I feel like the idea of podcasters sticking together, I feel like that is something that you were conscious of, but when I started telling telling you that, I feel like that's something you really latched onto when we first started talking. Is that true? I I would say so. I mean, you know, for me, coming from puppetry, where so much of that is, you know, you you can't do it in a vacuum. Like you just need a group of people around you to right hand, or you know. You build the puppets while I perform the thing, or you know whatever whatever it is. Um, I I just like having having a team and having a cohort. So when when we connected, I think I was you know a year into puppeteers or so. It was just so so lovely to have someone who wasn't doing a, a puppetry podcast, but you know to be able to empathize and and connect with you know just how to how to create something and like i this. wasn't a fanboy about it we we just hung out and <laughs> no you were you were a fanboy noel mcneil and just by by extension you you latched onto our show and i the first thing i said to you was i love your branding <laughs> <laughs> that's right cut that's to right. years later you're 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 one of the parts in my operation right we're working together on project. Can it keep it cool? I well, you know, I was just gonna ask, you know, I've I've heard you say you've said to me and you've said in other interviews, you know, how much your your love for pop culture came because, you know, you were inside a lot, um, you know, not being able to do things that maybe other kids your age were able to do because of your uh your CP, your cerebral palsy. Um so, but before you had the DJ Bob show, like, how did you harness your knowledge and your love for that pop culture? Like, where where did that energy go before you had a podcast to, like, channel it all into? Well, before I had a podcast, I was doing live internet radio. I was on several radio stations. I even started... Um, a radio show on a live stream platform when I was 12 before people knew what it was. So the DJ Bob show was just, it was live at first too. And, and then at some point he said to me, look, the way, the way your setup is, you can't commit to a weekly show for four hours. You can't do it. So why don't you start a podcast so it's at your timetable whenever you want. And two weeks later, Noel McNeil said the same thing too. Like, they all agreed. But before that, even before the live streaming stuff, I would just... You know, like one of my one of my kind of go tos was Radio KOL. 
And if you don't, and I, you've learned a great deal about that show from talking to me. Yeah, and we'll I'll link a little bit to it in uh in the show notes too. Vic and Radio Disney were sort of my home away from home because it was wacky. It was um personality driven radio, which is not very much a thing anymore. So when I hear that stuff, I said I want to create. So that's how I really got into, I always thought about pop culture. It was always in me. Like, I'd be watching TV all the time. So, and then when I started doing a podcast and honestly taking it more seriously, then I started experimenting with those things. How can I, how can I take those things I heard, flip them on their head and sort of make it my own? How, how how did you sort of schedule and balance all those things with, you know, time for for school or, you know, I don't know if you d- had to spend a lot of time with, you know, doctors or or anything like just what what, what was the I mean, because it, it really was like your your part time job. What was the work life balance like for you? The good thing about when the DJ Bob show started I had just started my freshman year of high school and everybody knew about it. Everybody, everybody loved it. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. And I remember my... Who's who's everybody? Like teachers and staff. I, everybody was just so, like, you, like, they have so, it's like, wow, we have this kid who is, you know... I don't want to say an entrepreneur, but like someone who is creating something bigger. Well, someone who's just creating something. You know, my my mom's a teacher. I come from a family of of teachers, and just to find someone who you know to find a student who's doing more than just clocking in and clocking out. You know, someone who who knows what they're striving for is is just so refreshing to see. So I'm sure for people to see you doing that was was just a joy to to observe. Yeah, and to think like when I started high school, we were only three months into the show. Because you and, started doing it during the summer, like during yeah. summer break. Yeah, and a lot of... A lot of people didn't hear those shows because, you know, they they weren't recorded. They weren't available. So when school came, I told everybody about the show. I was like, look at this, look at this show I'm doing. And I would burn CDs for teachers and they would play them in class. And it was like, it was such like a support system that I never had yeah i mean my family is one thing but and nobody knew what a podcast was like it wasn't even a podcast what it was was it was me playing music and me talking in between songs like one of my first interviews we did and i can't believe i got this so early on it was like 
the 36th anniversary of the holiday novelty show Grandma Governor by a reindeer. Oh, gosh. Okay. And and I wrote the guy, Dr. Elmo Shropshire, that's his name, and he's, you know, he's actually a, he, he, he's still a veterinarian in his 80s. Good for him. Um, but to think like, because that, you can love and hate that song all you want, but that song was major for so many years. And to think like, just a high school kid had the, had the, the mindset to even go, I'm just going to contact this person. And I still carry that with me. For sure. Well, yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing of, just knowing just knowing that you could connect with someone outside of your like home or life circle and kind of rope them in i mean i i've felt the same way the first time i connected with someone from from the muppets it was just like oh my gosh like this is this is achievable um yeah is it's it's a really empowering feeling yeah and one of my favorite one of my favorite stories was like it only got bigger a year later because the the staff knew that I was doing this radio show and at some point they recommended that I visit this trade school called Boshi's where like you learn a trade and they put me in their audio production course. And once they found out that I was doing a show, I didn't do much of their assignments that they gave me. Because I would, what, what would happen is I would go to high school, I would go there in the morning for half the day, and then I'd be driven by bus to a recording studio to produce the show. Oh, God. And so they're, like, tailoring their program around what you're already doing. And I had access to all the equipment that I needed. Wow. That's wild. I could bring home microphones, and I could, you know, use their setup and produce things. And I was getting graded for stuff that I did. I just remember them being so open and so willing to let me do whatever to have that platform was super uh resourceful and i'm so thankful for that you've obviously always dealt with with the cp um you know i've you and i have talked about the fact that i've dealt with um illness growing up and you know for better or worse you know for for me that that stuff kind of presented itself when i was in middle school and in in high school and college um so there was a different you know level for me of like i kind of had a way of doing things and all of a sudden this illness has disrupted my life and i've had to you know accept accept that and and rearrange and and kind of adjust to how I'm how I live life and did school and and did all that sort of stuff for 
for you, what what's that experience like of, you know, because I'm sure for 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 part of your upbringing, like that's just that's that's just what you had to deal with. You know, that's like, oh, that's just who oh. who I am. So oh my but what's, yes. But so what's that that process of realizing, oh, not everybody has this and like what's that process of 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 observing that you have something that other people don't of realizing you know okay this is how i'm going to deal with this and accepting moving on and i i imagine that process had to like you, you kept having to go through that process as you went through different stages of life right oh my goodness almost to the point where you couldn't have said it any better because I, when I was diagnosed when I was two years old, mm-hmm. they, they automatically put me in a place called United Cerebral Palsy Children's Center for school. So, that was lit. People with CP were literally the only people I knew till I was six years old. Oh my God! So when oh, wow. you're saying when you're saying that you could not be more right, you know. So when I went to kindergarten in public school, and I couldn't do whatever I wanted, I couldn't, you know, like whenever whenever there was a school dance at that other school I could just bring my stuff and do whatever I wanted to do but in public school you know you can't do whatever you want no back then they let you do whatever you wanted to make you feel like you could do whatever you wanted Right, and and there's also just a mindset if you're at at that center where, you know, people have an understanding of even what what CP is because it's you know they all had it, yeah. Right, 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 and you know, versus going going to this other place where now you're just you're you're just completely an outsider. So when I went into kindergarten at this public school, it was right as. It was, just to put a timetable on it, my mom kept me back because she didn't think I was ready, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm glad she did. But just for just for reference, I went into this version of kindergarten. I say it like that because the other school had a kindergarten program as well that I was also in. But as far as public school... I went into kindergarten when I really should have been going into first grade okay. in September 2001. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if that was about that time. And what I remember And you're uh, and you're living in New York and on Long Island. Yes. And what I remember about that day is that our school nurse's husband was in the towers. And she never came back after that day. And did you have a relationship with 
like did you know her at that point yeah because so i would go in there and take medicine every day for that little less than a couple weeks you know because she never came back that like after that day so that was such a weird day for me because even as a kid I because when most people were turning six that year I remember selling, celebrating my seventh birthday in kindergarten yeah and even then I'm like wait that's weird mm-hmm. like it's not bad but it's you, you understand what I'm getting at? Like, it's No, not... I do. I mean, any... Gosh, I remember, you know, when, when you're that age, anything to make you different, kids are going to latch on to, to try to just, you know, it's, it's a defense mechanism, but just to make you feel different. Um, so to have that, that, those added layers. And then what was, if you don't, mind me asking because i mean you and i we both live in new york state but i'm i'm as far away from from new york city as possible um i was in i was in fifth grade when when 9-11 happened and you know that that day was my first time even hearing what the twin towers were um so like what what was that like for you as a kid just hearing about that and like how does that recontextualize your your outlook and and just your day to day i remember asking what happened to my sisters cuz my sisters were okay 10 and 13 something like that okay so they kind of had a it was still uncertain to them but of course They had more of a grasp than I did. And all I remember is them saying, like, bad people did this this to the towers. But it didn't really hit me until a month later when, and I have this footage somewhere, it's, they did a memorial, like a, a garden, in memory of my nurse's husband and reported it on the news. So every class in that school helped, like, grow this garden and plant these seeds. And I joke around, I say my claim to fame was that my foot was on TV in 2001. <laughs> like, but... Like, that moment, just, it was, I don't want to say it was the end of innocence, but, like, you could sense, even as a kid, like, things are different now in the home, in in the school, and, you know, to make matters worse, that school, I was only there for one year. I was only there for kindergarten, so by the time I made friends in kindergarten, I had to go to a whole other school for first grade. Why was that? Because it was more accessible, and they, 
Because oh. um, the other school didn't have an elevator. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I needed to go upstairs and stuff like that. So, right. But, you know, you're making friends at one school and now you have to say goodbye to them. And so it was, it's this crazy kind of mixed mass of memories that I have from that time period. Well, so, you know, all these different things are happening to you at a point where like, you know, a, a, a kid that age is just supposed to be enjoying life and it's, it's just trial after trial. What, like, what do you think allowed you to be able to persevere there instead of just like shutting down and becoming an asshole? <laughs> you know, cause like you're, uh, I mean, you and I both deal with anxiety, but like uh, otherwise, I mean, you're, you're a, you've got a good head on your shoulders and um, I just, you know, so many other people could have gone through those things and just. And that's not to say that, I, not, that's not to say that I didn't lash out or I didn't freak out. I totally did. No, sure. Of 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 course. But I mean, it, you're on the other end of the, all those experiences and, and relatively in a good place and are, you know, a, a good, kind, you know, really funny person. Was it was would you attribute it to the pop culture or was was it something else? It's so funny that you bring that up. There was one moment in pop culture. I remember sitting with my mom on the couch, eating Carvel ice cream. You're from New York, you know what Carvel mm-hmm. is, and watching the Rugrats 10th anniversary special. The one that led into the all grown, the all grown up series. You remember? You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, they all go into the closet and it's yeah, like yeah. a time machine thing. Yeah. Okay. And watching that with my mother really stuck with me. Like I had then that that year I had a rocket power lunchbox. So Nickelodeon more so than Disney meant the world to me as a kid. <laughs> like, I remember, like, seeing the first Jimmy Neutron movie in theaters that Christmas break and just loving it and then getting to talk to Jimmy Neutron's dad almost <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> so all of this stuff means the world to me. While most people see it as just something they viewed as a kid, I can pinpoint it to certain times. So with with the DJ Bob show, you know, as you, you, you keep creating it and, you know, the episodes are, are just so good. But for you, you as a host and you as a creator, like, what's your, what are you looking for? Like, are you just trying to, like, give these artists a platform? Do you see it as a way, like, sort of selfishly, like, for you to just meet your heroes? Are you, are you proselytizing, like, to get people to 
to love the thing? Like what, what do you see as your, your mission in, in creating the DJ Bob show? I guess my motive (laughs) is to talk to these people about pop culture and self-indulgently talk about my life too. Yeah. Because this isn't about Rugrats. This is about Rugrats and how great it is and how it meant a lot to me. Like, I tell you all the time that people request me to do shows and movies. Yeah. And I don't do them because they don't mean as much. They don't connect with you and that time of where you were at when it was being created in the first place. Like, for example, if I could talk to somebody who started, (laughs) this sounds ridiculous, but I think you'll get it. But if I could talk to somebody who started the Scholastic Book Fair, I would talk to them. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Because that is a moment. Yeah. I can still remember the smell of the order form. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I I absolutely do, Bob. Oh my gosh. And just, and having your parents like cut the little slip on the back page of those things of like letting your teacher know what books you want. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a whole vibe. Right. It is. It is. Like, whenever I saw it coming, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yep. What are we going to get now? Strangely, that connects to the DJ Bob show in a way, too. This book called Take Me Out of the Bathtub, which was... <laughs> you were just telling me about this. Yeah. It's a, a very ago. funny, like, crazy, like, like, like parody songs to children's songs that people know. Like, twinkle, twinkle, little starry, stinky, 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 diaper change. Like, like, the idea, like, just real stupid stuff for kids. Stupid in a good way. So I wanted to find out who wrote it. And it turns out that the writer is a guy by the name of Alan Katz, who is um, a book writer, for one, but he also contributed like a thousand song parodies for the Rosie O'Donnell show in a six year run. Right. But it was so cool to to tell him like I remember getting your book at the book fair and mm. it impacted me so much and and then like he was just asking me questions like just about life and it was super rewarding to me. So Thank you, Scholastic Book Fairy, for that, if you're listening. They, they they have to be at this point. We'll send this to them. How has your opinion changed in terms of, you know, you, you've talked to me about wanting as a, as a kid to, like, you wish you saw yourself more in, in the pop culture that you took in. Like, the, the moment of seeing someone in a wheelchair on Stanley and finally being able to be like, oh, that's that's someone like me. So like you've always had that want of like seeing more disability inclusion happen versus like actually using the DJ Bob show 
as a vehicle for advocating to to see that happen. What I'll tell you this: I yeah. never want the DJ Bob show to to also be a disability inclusion podcast. Mm-hmm. But it is a part of me, so I wedge it in. And I just want disability inclusion to be showcased in a way where it's like, oh, he's just part of the group. There's no billboard around it. It's just there. Well, I mean, you're someone who you literally had to change schools because the place he went to kindergarten to didn't have an elevator. So, like, of course, in the same way that, like, oh, Scholastic Book Fair was a part of me it's going to be a part of my show like how could that advocacy not be a part of of what you're creating as well right i mean advocacy yes but i never wanted to be like you know a shop story like yeah oh my gosh like i love your work so much like it was it was such a (laughs) (laughs) right please be on my show because i watched you when i (laughs) had cp as a child <laughs> and you got me through it uh, but at the same time it's like i do mention it in every interview request i do yeah because it creates a dialogue and people want to know more right it creates a dialogue and and a point of view for your show without being the reason that the show exists or keep moving keeps moving on okay i never used to talk about it in the early days and then i got more comfortable with it i did a document an audio documentary if that's your thing um in 2013 i was in my senior year of high school and i did a documentary about living with cp at that point oh wow is that around somewhere still for people to yeah that you need to listen to that like that, yeah, i'd love to because that is even eye-opening for me even though i was the one that did it like, it's just, yeah because it's a different bob and i was so proud of it and one of my favorite responses i got from it was from one of my dear friends who you know very well vicky eibner who played Ojo on Brenda the Gluehog in a string of other characters. Excellent puppeteer. But she was like, she was like my first, one of my first advocates. And said, you need to talk about this more. But I still never did. And then I started listening to other disability podcasts and meeting other people. And they taught me that me telling these stories to the cre- me telling these stories to the creatives gives them a reason why they do what they do. So why not tell them? Yeah, they're not gonna know unless I tell them. No, but I mean, you talked about um, in your episode with the recess creators. I haven't listened to it yet, but you you've had an opportunity to call some of these creators out too on like why. Why didn't you put this in your show? Why was it only in Stanley that I saw people who I could connect with? And I, you know what? 
it's funny because I always bring up Stanley. One of my one of my best friends that we hang out in person is the art director for the series and I called him out and I said, Dude, even the wheelchair you used back then was outdated. <laughs> yes. And he's like, I know, I know. Stop reminding me. But I taught him something. Yeah. And that was super cool. No, I, 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 that's so important. And I, you know, I could say as, uh, as a graphic designer, you know, I, I, a lot of times someone will say like, you know, get me a, get me a photo of someone doing a, a chemistry experiment and you show them a, you know, a photo that you actually took in a chem lab of someone doing an experiment. And they say, well, this doesn't, this doesn't look like someone doing chemistry. And you go, but, but, but no, it is. It is. And they're like, no, but no, they need to have the beakers with the colorful liquid and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, no, that's that's not what chemistry actually looks like. And I think, you know, wheelchairs, for better or worse, are, are one of those things that people, they they perceive in their head of the, you know, the classic, you know, older style wheelchair that they know from their Spanish, the cover of their Spanish textbook. But um you know, they don't have a working concept of, of what a contemporary one actually looks and how it works. I mean, and there are chairs that still look like that, but sure. one sure. one one size doesn't fit all. So what in your life right now do you think your past self would be proudest of or most excited for? I could give you a generic answer and say the show, but I could say the show and how I'm, how I'm not afraid to contact these people. Yeah. Something that my mother always says when she talks about the show to people, like she always says, I don't know how he does it. (laughs) And quite frankly, I don't either. I I bet you, and this is not for you to compliment me, but I bet you're amazed whenever I call you like, "Hey, I got this person." And oh, you blow me away with your gets. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, I just got Sony Manzano. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 in contact with the Fred Rogers organization. Like, what, Bob? <laughs> this is incredible. This is amazing. But it's all about. I always try to one-up myself. Like, I always try to shock myself. Like, what am I interested in? What can I do? Even if the fan base isn't interested, what can I make them interested in? What can I make them go, oh, I never thought of it like that? How can I shift their idea? How can I make them think differently about whatever I'm talking about? Yeah, and you're you have the benefit of you have an audience that's been with you for you know ten or eleven years, and even if it's not where they think the show should go, they trust you enough to be able to be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna listen to you know this Cam Garrity guy and and give him a chance, even though I've never heard of I him. I hate or his him. Puppet He's show. so weird. <laughs> He's the worst. Oh my gosh. And on that note, like I. If I can sort of go on my soapbox for a second. Soap away. I hate 
being labeled as the kid show guy. Yeah. Yes, that is a lot of my content. Yes, that's what people know me for. But is it all of what I do? No. And when I say kid content, I specifically mean preschool. Yeah. Because you could look at something like The Cat in the Hat and be like, oh, that's a kid movie. But it clearly not. Or even like, a, a, I don't know how much you've covered this before, but like a Phineas and Ferb is like a, yeah. you know, a, 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 a perfectly serviceable show for a kid to watch. But like, you know, my mom and I will watch that every once in a while because it's just, it's brilliant. Love that show. And even something as oddball as the Rosie O'Donnell show, mm-hmm. she would have like B. Arthur on and then the commercial break and then Elmo the next right. <laughs> minute. So it's like, I was soaking in all of this. She made it, she made it completely accessible for an adult to watch it. And she made it accessible for, she made sure the kids were taken care of. So it makes sense that I would gravitate towards that. So as we start to wrap up, I... I don't want to go yet. This is fun. <laughs> we'll call it part one. Out of ten. We want to know kind of how we can help, and it's in the spirit of giving people a chance to maybe make your life easier after they they hear this conversation. What, what's something about your life that you think if other people knew that either your day-to-day experiences or, or your experience of creating your podcast would be easier. And not well, like, you know, super like, oh, they, they don't know that I'm not a millionaire, so they gave you a million dollars and that would make everything easier. But like, what's something that would just like make it just that 10% like, oh, this doesn't have to bother me or wear at me anymore? I just want them to realize that I'm more than what they what they think. Yeah. I'm I'm sick of having to respond to emails about this this sprout kids show that I don't even know about. Stop stop assuming. Stop assuming I think is good advice for just literally anybody. Just because someone just because someone is in a wheelchair, a straight-up object, doesn't, doesn't, like, tell you their intellectual capabilities. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> like, like, yeah, no, it's, really, I, like, one size doesn't fit all. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And I... It's so hard when, unfortunately, not not seeing it in someone's day-to-day life gives them more, um, I don't want to say more of an excuse, but it's easier for them to 
stereotype or to like they because they just mentally create a shorthand of like oh the last time i saw someone in a wheelchair they they enjoyed this or they right 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 or they didn't have these abilities or they were limited in this way so now when i meet bob um you know i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna approach them the same way and it's like no you wouldn't you wouldn't do that for any other person how do you talk to other people how would you talk to Someone in a wheelchair that was a speaker, that was a, at a presentation. One size doesn't fit all, seriously. Yeah. What do you think people who are producing pop culture today um, need to be focusing more on throughout their entire creative process? Is it just, you know, one size doesn't, doesn't fit all, or do you think there's a broader thing they need to have on their mind? Listen. Listen to others. You may have a powerful writing staff that knows everything under the sun, but you don't know all of it. So get outside resources and do more to educate yourself. Because if you do that, you could do stuff like the way Stanley impacted me because they took the extra care don't play it safe. Just because you think you know, just because you think you know something, doesn't mean you know all of it. If I could change, if I could change the perspective of one person, like I'm not telling them to go into a writer's room and change the script immediately after we talk. But at least, if I'm a thought in their mind, if our little conversation we had was meaningful to them in any way shape or form then great i've done my part absolutely and i after 11 years i think there's a lot of people out there who who have you on your on their mind um it's it's really amazing what you've been able to to accomplish um putting it out there dream guest for the dj bob show who do you got (laughs) okay I'm going to say to you, Stephen Chbosky. Most recently, he directed the Dear Evan Hankin movie. And before that, then he did Wonder. And then before yes. that, he did a movie that is the reason why I'm still blabbering on. And that is The Perks of Being Wallflower. Love the right. movie. Love the book. Want to talk to him. Want to pick his brain. Want to talk to him about adapting Rent for the screen. He he wrote the screenplay for the film adaptation of Rent. He's just such... And I feel like after he did Wonder, he, he promises to cast at least one person with a disability in one, in one of his movies from now on. No, from everything you've you've told me about him, he's just such a a thoughtful, creative thinker who just has the the right um, the right way of viewing the creative process in twenty twenty one. I just want to tell him thank you. Yeah. For like, there's a difference between I watch you as a kid. Thank you for being part of it. But 
thank you for shifting my focus. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for being the reason why I'm still here. Yeah. Well, and, and not to make it too selfish on my end, but that's that's part of the reason I'm doing this show right now is and, and why it's called This Should Have Been a Phone Call is so many of the people I have on, um, you know, I'm, I'm not asking to talk to President Obama or Bruce Springsteen um, necessarily. I mean, if they're if, if they're available, please, please feel free to, to reach out. But I, I just want to I, I just want to talk to the people who who I love and who've made my life and and experiences better and easier and um and to say thank you and to to learn more about them and i i think that's just such an important that's that's what miss that's what's missing in so much of what is out there today is just like hearing hearing these heart-to-heart conversations i mean i would want to do that i would want to i would want to do that with lots of people yeah but him I might break down and cry. <laughs> I I think I might break down and cry for you, and certainly, um, it, it, listening to it would just be out of this world. Because it's not someone. It. I mean, I'm a fan of him. I love his work. Mm-hmm. But you know that there's an added component to it that is just like. I watched your movie when I was in a dark place and I felt this and I wanted to tell him thank you. I just want to talk to him about everything that he's yeah. done. Well, I I have a good feeling that um, one of these days, you know, one of those projects will you're you're putting in the work in every in every sense of the of the word. Um, and I, I think that that could happen for you. How um, how could he or how could anybody else out there uh, learn more about you and more about the DJ Bob show? The best way to find me is go to djbobshow.com and all our social media links are there. I'm, I'm around. You can find me. Uh, Bob, one last thing. Our, our real life phone calls that we do uh, mean more to me than you could ever know i i think your voice is a gift and um please never stop well that means a lot because you know that i've been through a lot knowing that i have your calls to look forward to every (laughs) whenever i'm walking the dogs it gives me something to look forward to it's not just a phone call to me. And I never thought that you and I would become this close. So, thanks for that. Well, I love you, man. Love you, too. We did it. You came to the end of another episode of This Should Have Been a Phone Call. So much thanks to Bob Brunkel for stopping by and having such a wonderful conversation with me. If this is your first time listening, there are plenty of other episodes of the show. Just go to phonecallpod.com and you could listen to all of them right now. Please give us a follow at phonecallpod wherever you get your social media. 
And if you're feeling brave, I always appreciate a good review or comment over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps the show grow, but it also ensures that the pizza gets delivered in 30 minutes or less. So I definitely appreciate that. We'll see you next time on This Should Have Been a Phone Call. And one more thing, I love you, you are enough, keep going.